Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for what you've said to us already and what you're going to continue to say. Father, I thank you, and I ask that you open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to receive all that you have for us this morning. Father, I pray that you put your words inside of me so that I clearly communicate your thoughts, your desires. Father, I ask that we don't leave this place the same, that when we come into your presence, we are continually transformed and changed and leave looking more like you and less like us. Father, we love you. We thank you for all you're doing. We thank you for this season we're in where we can continue to grow in grace, in strength, in you. We pray in your son's mighty name. We all said amen, amen, amen. Hey, there's a lot to talk about today, and today I'm going to share with you more of a pastoral message. It's called Gather the People. And I thought about putting on a shepherd's robe and having a big shepherd's crook and standing out here, but I thought it might be distracting, and so I chose not to. But I want to share with you a pastoral message about church in the middle of COVID and what it looks like and how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to act with each other, and what God is saying to Hope City, what I believe God is saying to us in this season, how we are supposed to continue moving forward. You know, if you look around, you could probably look from car to car to car, and everybody here probably has varying degrees of differences about what they believe about the last 15 going on 16 months, how they believe things should have been handled, how they believe people should act, and how they believe people should interact with each other, and what rules they think we should follow, and what rules they don't think we should follow. You can look around in our church, and there's different camps. There's people that are over here on this side. There's people that are over on the complete opposite side. There's people that are in the middle, and there's people that are trying to figure out if they're in the middle, if they're on the other side, or wherever they're at. And so what I want to talk about today is how do you walk through that? How do you move forward as a body, as a, as a flock, as the body of Christ? How do you move through that together? So if you have your Bible, I'm going to talk about some things that we've actually been saying for the last 15 months. But as you tend to find out when you're a pastor, people don't always listen to the words you say. Or sometimes you find out that people aren't watching church like you thought they were. Or you find out that when they're at church, they're daydreaming or thinking about other things. And that's okay. You just got to keep saying the same things over and over and over again. So I want you to turn your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 5. And I want to show you this scripture that we've been saying off and on for the last 15 months. And, and uh, I got five verses we're going to look at today. And the first three that I'm going to share with you are about how we are acting and how we are supposed to act as believers in our own personal lives and as the body of Christ. And the last two I want to share with you are verses that the Lord gave me about our church moving ahead in this season and what we are going to do and what it's going to look like for us so that we can all be on the same page so that everybody knows this is what we're doing right now and this is why we're doing it. Does that make sense? Joshua chapter 5. We preached about this a few months ago and we've been talking about this 
for a while. But in Joshua chapter 5, towards the end, in verse 13, this is when the children of Israel, Moses has died, and the children of Israel have gone in, and Joshua is leading them. And they've gone in, and they're about to begin to take the promised land, the land that God said was flowing with milk and honey, and where he said, I'm going to lead you to this great place. You're going to get out of oppression from Egypt, and what all those, how they're treating you like slaves. You're going to get out of there, and you're going to go to this new land. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be milk and honey flowing, and it's going to be fabulous. People aren't going to be beating you, and we're going to go there. And so they wandered around because they all fussed so much. They wandered around the desert for 40 years, and now finally they're moving into the promised land, and they're about to take the first city. Now they're doing what God has told them to do. They're going where God has told them to go. I want you to know that. And in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13, it says this. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. Joshua goes up and he demands this guy. He says, are you a friend or are you a foe? Some translation says, are you for us or are you against us? Whose side are you on? That's what he wants to know. Whose side are you on? Because he doesn't know who he's talking to. He just sees a dude standing out in the desert with the sword. And he says, whose side are you on? In verse 14, it says this. He says, neither one. He said, I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. And he says, I'm at your command. Joshua said, what do you want your servant to do? Everybody say, what do you want your servant to do? Something we've been saying for a little while now is in life, whether it's in big decisions or small decisions, whether it's in big conflict or little conflict, whether it's in a major decision you've got to make or a tiny, tiny little decision, I want to tell you this, whatever you're doing, you need to get on God's side. We've been saying this over and over and over. And even Jacob, when he took over from worship, what was Jacob talking about? Being on God's side. You know, Jacob had no idea I was going to share this scripture today. It's obviously the spirit of God trying to communicate something. Whenever you're going through something, and I want you to know, this is how we lead the church. As the pastor, I don't have the luxury of leading the church by my personal preferences alone. Do you know that? I don't get to say this is just how I feel about it, so this is what we're going to do. I have to, as a pastor, get on God's side, and I've got to go to God just like Joshua said, and he said, what do you want me to do? Joshua says, whose side are you on, my side or their side? And the guy says, I'm on neither your sides. I'm on his side. And Joshua immediately drops to the ground, and he says, what do you want me to do? I want you to know in this season, Whatever your stand is, whatever your preference is, whatever your belief is, you need to make sure that that stand, that preference, and that belief is the same as the Lord's. Do you hear me? You need to get on God's side, and then you get on God's side, and you stay on God's side. It's not your own personal convictions. Don't get on your own side and say, God, get over here with me. God, back me up. God, come get my back. This is what I think, and God, you should be on my side too. You need to get on God's side. You need to find out what God believes and what God thinks and what God says. You get yourself on God's side, and you stay there. Can I honk an amen? As we walk through this season, as we move this church ahead, as we move into the coming days, 
I want you to know that every decision, everything that we do is not willy-nilly and just by the seat of our pants and like, oh, this seems like a good idea and, oh, this seems like fun. Let's go try this and, hey, let's go over here and do this. That's not how we do things. How we do things is through prayer and intercession and saying, God, what is it you want? God, what is your plan? You, if you've come to Hope City Church any amount of time at all, you've Most definitely heard me add at some point in some prayer, God, above all things, may your kingdom come and may your will be done. Have you heard that? Have you heard that? Because I believe at the end of the day, above everything, above how I feel about any situation, about how I think, about how I believe, what's more important is what he thinks and what he feels and what he believes. So the first thing I want to say in this season is we are on God's side. Get on God's side. Do what God says. Go where God says to go. Be who God says to be. Amen? All right. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, which, as Pastor Jenny said, was the church's birthday. It was the birth of the modern church. It was when the Holy Spirit fell. And... Some real exciting things began to take place and to happen. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, says this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. If you have the New King James translation, it says they were in one accord in one place. And then it says, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. I'm reading this scripture to you because I want to say this. I believe that COVID has tested the unity of the church like nothing that I have ever lived through. I'm sure there's been great tests of unity in the church many other times. But COVID has tried to divide the church. And I personally believe that a lot of this is an attack and a scheme of the enemy. Because more than anything right now, the world needs you and me united on some things to give them hope, to give them life, to point them to Jesus so that when they are confused and scared and frustrated and unsure, we can answer and give them something that they need. And I think that COVID in this season, the enemy is using it as one big distraction to part the church, to part us, to divide us. Because when we are divided, the Holy Spirit is hindered and can't work the way he wants because we're fighting with each other. And I want to tell you today that in the modern church, that in the church in North America, that in our family, I want to say this. There is no room for division. There is no room for distraction. There is no room for fighting. We're not going to do it. We're not going to have it. We're not going to live that way. We got problems. We'll work them out. But we are going to stay united in the Spirit of God so the Holy Spirit can continue to move because above everything else, people need the Jesus that is inside of you. 
Am I alone in here? <laughs> if I seem a little serious, it's because it's serious. I wish I had a joke I could tell you right now, but it just wouldn't fit. And I'm serious about this because, you know, in Matthew and in Mark and in the first chapter of Acts, the last thing that Jesus tells his disciples is to go into all the world and make disciples. Go and tell people about me. That is the mandate that he left us with. That is our commission. That's what we're called to do. So we are here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. And that reason and that purpose is to go and tell people about Jesus and bring the good news to them in the middle of distress, in the middle of distractions, in the middle of pandemics, in the middle of crisis. We are called to go wherever you go and live your life, whether you own a shop, whether you own a business, whether you're a high school student, whether you work work at a fabrication place. I don't know. Whatever you're doing, you are called to bring Jesus to those places. So what I'm saying to you is we need the unity of the Spirit in this season so that we can continue to tell people about Jesus. And the Bible says those signs and wonders will accompany those. Well, man, I feel like it's serious in this place. <laughs> Pastor Jenny said we'll preach it again next week. (laughs) There's no room here for division. It's not welcome here. Strife is not welcome here. Anger, frustration, dissension, it is not welcome in the body of Christ. It's not welcome here. So why don't we say that together? Division, let's say it like we mean it. Division, Get out of here. You're not welcome. We want the Spirit. No, you say that. We want the Spirit. And we want the Spirit. No, you say that. We want the Spirit in all of its fullness. All right. We say, Jake, that's a great idea. It's a great thought to have unity. But how do we have Unity in the spirit. How do we have unity in the church when we have so many divisions? How do we have unity when I believe this and my Christian brother or sister believes this this other thing that is polar opposites? How do we walk together? Good question. Glad you asked. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse number one, and we're going to read through verse six real quick. And this is how we stay united in the spirit. This is how we stay united when there's, when there's differences among us. Differences are okay. It's okay to have different views. It's okay to have different beliefs. It's okay to have different thoughts. What is not okay is to allow it to divide us, to allow it to separate us to allow it to cause such wide chasms between us that we can no longer walk together in love. Does that make sense? The key is the love. That's right. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. This is Paul. He says, I beg you. 
to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. He's begging you, leave, lead a life worthy of the calling. He says this, always, say always, always, be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to bind yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Did you get that? There is one. There is one. How do you stay united when we have differences? How do you stay walking together when there's differences among us? Well, it's easy. Right here, it's this. You've got to walk in humility. You've got to walk in gentleness. You've got to be patient, and you've got to walk in love. It's not rocket science. It's not advanced geophysics, if that's even a thing. It's humility, patience, and gentleness, and love. Sounds like the fruit of the Spirit. We can walk together all day long with differences, guys. We can walk together all day long when you think one thing and I think another thing. As long as we walk in love, as long as we have humility, as long as we have patience, as long as we are gentle with each other and we are making every effort to bind ourselves together. I love that phrasing, bind yourself. Make every effort to bind yourself together. What is being bound together? Babe, come here. Being bound together is like the idea is you come alongside somebody and you wrap your arms together like this and then you wrap something around them and you bind them together so that you are stuck. The two have become one. We are bound together and we can walk together everybody, everywhere because even though we may have different opinions, we're making every effort to stay stuck together through humility, through gentleness, through patience, and through love because we are bound together. Can I add something to that too? So hold on, you come here now. You come here now. So when he was doing that, like we're bound together. And then you know what I could see as he was doing that? It's like the enemy tries to come in like this season with the little stuff. It's always the ridiculous things, right? And it's like the enemy's trying to pull. And he's pulling pull hard, babe. And he's pulling hard in families. Okay, now I'm crying. He's pulling hard in families. He's pulling hard in relationships. He's really pulling hard in you guys because he knows the victory on the other side of your life. And we talked about that on Wednesday night. He's pulling hard in our church. He's pulling hard in the body of Christ. He's pulling hard in our nation, but he will not have his way. And I'm saying by the spirit of God, every single day, we have an opportunity to love. We have an opportunity to forgive. We have an opportunity to lay our life down. We have an opportunity to be humble in the face of adversity in the face of trials in the face of tribulations when people hurt us we have an opportunity not to forgive them and that is how we that is how we grow in the love of God that's how we grow in the peace of God that's how we grow in humility that's how we grow as Hope City Church that's how we grow as the body of Christ are you guys getting it that is how we grow 
And the enemy is trying hard. But I'm saying every time we choose love, every time we choose forgiveness, every time we choose patience, every time we choose peace, it's like Jesus is in this joint. Every time we choose Jesus, Jesus is getting stronger and stronger. So when the enemy tries to pull, it becomes a little, it's not so much like this. It's like he's trying, he's trying to try. And you know what? Eventually he's just going to walk away. He's just going to walk away because he knows that he cannot have you because you do not belong to him. Amen? That was bonus content. That doesn't come out of my time. Now listen. I'm not saying these things because we have any great division or dissension or strife taking place in our church because we don't. I'm saying this so that you know how to walk. I'm saying this so before you form and make opinions that you make sure that they're God's opinions, that they're God's beliefs. I'm saying this so that when you have an opinion that you believe is the right opinion and you bump up against another believer and they have an opinion that they believe is the right opinion, that you don't get offended and the two of you, like Pastor Jenny was just talking about, split up and walk apart, but you begin to walk together in love, that you make every effort to bind yourself together in peace, that you're gentle, that you're, that you're humble. You understanding? This is, how, this is how to move forward. This is how you live your life. This is how the church continues to move and grow. I want to share with you a couple of scriptures now about what the Lord said to me about our church, about our family, about why we're having church the way we are, about why, about why we're having 50 cars and, and we can have 50 people sitting out here, but if you're sitting out here, that you're wearing your masks. In Luke chapter... No, let's go to Numbers. Let's go to Numbers first. Numbers chapter 20, I want to take you to. And I want to tell you what the Lord said to me. I had a conversation a while ago with another pastor who was um, <clears throat> having, having protest service. And we were just talking about it. And he ended his conversation with me by saying this. He said, you know, Jake, this is what we're doing, but you really need to go and pray about it because he said, I know that every church has a different mandate and a different calling. So even though I'm having a protest service, that may not be what God is calling you to do. And he's right because there is a mandate and there is a calling that, that God has placed on every church. There's a specific reason why the church exists and what we're here to do. And I want to share with you what the Lord has said in this season, what we're called to do. In Numbers chapter 20, in verse 1, now let's go to verse 2. And I want you to know, this is at the end of the 40 years of roaming around the wilderness. The Israelites have been roaming around for a long time. What they thought was going to be a short journey, what they thought should have taken them like a month, has taken four decades of wilderness time, of hard times, of living in tents and marching around and things not ever looking like they thought it was going to look. And it says in verse 2, it says, Now there was no water for the people to drink at that place, so they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. And the people blamed Moses and said, If only we had died in the Lord's presence with our brothers, 
Why have you brought out the congregation from the Lord's people into this wilderness to die along with our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt and bring us here to this terrible place? This land has no grain and it's got no figs and it has no grapes and it has no pomegranates and it's got no water to drink. Now, he's not specifically, these people aren't specifically saying, hey, I really need some pomegranates and I can't find any pomegranates at at the produce stand. What they're saying is, is this place is not good for living. This soil won't grow grain. This land, we can't plant trees and grow fruit, and there's no water. This isn't a sustainable place to live, is what they're saying. And it goes on in verse 6 and says, Moses and Aaron turned away from the people, went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. When I was praying and trying to understand God and trying to figure out what he wanted us to do in this season, we don't have our own building yet. And so we've got to go through different hurdles. It means we've got to rent stuff and rentable space isn't available and we're trying to figure out how are we going to meet. We, we were all done having church online. We were all done watching church online. I was done making church online and I knew we needed to gather and the Lord said this to me quietly and in my spirit. He said, gather the people that they may drink. Gather the people that they may drink. See, the children of Israel, they had roamed around the desert for 40 years, and they were starving, and they were thirsty, and they were dying. It was a place of death. What they thought was only going to be a season had turned into decades. And they were done, and they were fed up, and they'd had enough, and they were fussing and complaining. And God says to them, essentially, gather the people. Go hit that rock. And it says this. There's two words that stood out here to me. And in verse, in the New Living Translation, it says in verse 8, you and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. Everybody say entire. Assemble the entire community. And then it goes on and says, you will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community. Everybody say whole. I believe in this season that's important, our mandate, our 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 direction this season is to be a place where we can assemble the entire community and that whole community will be satisfied in the presence of God. We are gathering the people so that we can drink in the presence of God, so that we can be in the presence of God, so that we can come and worship at his feet, so that we can go into his presence and be filled and be refreshed so that when we leave this place, we've got something to give away. Assemble the entire community so that the whole community may be satisfied. I'm just going to reference this second verse to you. In Luke chapter 15, verses 3 to 6, it's, it's the story, the parable of the lost sheep. And you probably know this story. And if you don't, you can look it up for yourself and read it later. But in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is telling a story. And he says, this guy has a hundred sheep. And one of the sheep wanders off, takes off, and he's lost. 
the shepherd says, I'm going to leave the other 99 sheep. I'm going to go find this one lost sheep and bring it home. The Bible says that he goes out and he finds the lost sheep and he brings them home. And the whole, the whole gets the whole village together and they all celebrate. Now, I know that parable, Jesus is talking about the lost. But what also struck me in that parable was this. The realization that Jesus cared and we should care about each and every sheep. See, the shepherd could have said, it's okay. It's a marginal loss. I still have 99 sheep. Losing one sheep isn't the end of the day. We're going to let that sheep go. and I'm going to stay here and take care of these other 99. But what you see in that story is the shepherd says, I'm going to leave these 99, and I'm going to go find that one sheep that's gone missing. And what it spoke to me as a pastor, as a shepherd, what that spoke to me about was the deep love for each and every sheep. My heart, our heart, is for each and every person. It's my desire. I feel in this season that we are called to be a place to gather the people so that they may be drink and so that everybody who wants to come, whether you're leaning this way or whether you're leaning this way, whether you are in the middle, whether you have restrictions you have to follow for your job and you hate them but you still do it, whatever your feelings and belief about all this stuff is, in this season, we are going to be a body that gathers the people left, right, and center so that they can drink in his presence because every single sheep matters. Every single person matters in the kingdom. The Bible says that God is not willing that 75% of people should perish. You know, it's awesome <laughs> when I just said that. People that were not looking at me just suddenly went, hmm? I just heard something. No, the Bible says God's not willing that any should perish. The second thing that stood out to me in that story is this, is the deep conviction that every sheep belongs in a flock. It's important to me that if you were called to Hope City Church, that 1 Corinthians talks about how God places the members in the body where he wants them. And it's important to me that if you feel like Hope City Church is your home, it's important to me that you feel like you are able to come and be in the presence of God, that you are able to come and drink. He said, gather the people that they may drink, not the people who believe only this way or not the people who believe only this way or create an atmosphere where only these people can come. He said to me out of Numbers 20, gather the people that they may drink. So that's what we're doing. That's why we're having church this way. Listen, like I said at the beginning, I don't have the luxury to lead from my own personal preferences. I can't say, you know what, this is what I think, this is how I feel. My natural tendency is to, I get my back up real fast and I want to fight. But in some things, I don't have that luxury. In some things, when I'm leading a church, I've got to be on God's side. And God is saying to us, for us in this season, to be a place where everybody who needs to be in the presence of Jesus, mask or no mask, vaccine or no vaccine, whatever you believe about in this, pandemic or pandemic, whatever you think, God is wanting us to be a place where we gather 
and drink in his presence. And I want you to know, I want you to hear this straight from me, straight from the podcast. In and with, with, when and if, let's say it that way, there comes a time where they say, hey, good news, good news, BC, good news, Canada. Everybody can gather and do whatever they want except for churches. I want you to know right here, right now, that I will be the first person to jump up and say, that ain't right, and we're not playing that game. I want you to know that. I want you to know that. I'm not going to play that game. Right now, we're not at that place. This is annoying. This is frustrating. It's an inconvenience. But we do it. We do it so that we can all gather, those that are over here and those that are over there. We do it so that all the believers, the entire community, can gather and be in his presence. So right now, this is how we're having church. I want you to know, you know, we all heard the news that we can gather inside. We don't have an inside at this moment of time. I want you to know we are working to find one. We may have, we may have a solution. I don't want to say anything yet because it's very tentative and it's at the very beginning stages and I don't know if it's going to pan out. But right now, we're going to keep you posted. We're going to keep meeting in the parking lot. It's sunny. We're moving into summertime. And listen, we can do this. We can do this together. We're outside. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm having fun outside. I, I like it. I love the wanderers. You know the wanderers who just slowly wander through while we're having service and they look around like, what's, what's happening here? I wonder if these people can see me as I walk through here. I love those. I love it when people walk past the street and, and are listening or stopping to see what's going on. I love it. There was a dude over here 20 minutes ago that stopped and stood and listened for a while because it's seed sown. So I don't know about you, but I'm having a good time. We're going to keep moving ahead. I'll keep you posted. We'll keep you posted. When we find a building, when we find a space, we'll move to that building and space when it works for us, but I'll let you know. But I want you to know that we love you. We care for each and every one of you, just like that parable and the shepherd that had that deep love for each and every sheep. We have that deep love for each and every sheep. That's why we're doing church the way we're doing it, because we care and believe that everybody who calls this their home deserves to be able to come and gather here. Every person matters.